Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. Kind of like to say I went from, you know, real estate being a side hustle to my full-time gig to financial freedom. So now, you know, financially free through that real estate. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors, and welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate. We teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guest is Sam Prem. He left his nine to five job, came into real estate, grew a portfolio very quickly. He's expanded into different asset classes. Uh, And he's brought a lot of people on the journey with him through his social media platforms, providing a ton of education on on how to follow him and in this path and take control of your financial future. So Sam, really excited to have you on today. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you having me on. I think we've uh, we had a couple uh, a couple cancellations on each of our ends. So we finally got together. I'm excited. Yeah, you know, when you, when you run in your own business, you have that kind of stuff comes up, right? So you just got to you gotta stay fluid with it. So yeah, really excited to be able to get you in the chair today. And let's just start at the top, like we always do. Let's tell people a little bit more about who you are and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, for sure. So I kind of like to say that I'm about as normal as it gets. Like, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. My dad was an engineer. My mom was a teacher, didn't like it, inherit a ton of money, you know, was going down the path that most people go down, high school, college, job, you know, save a little bit of money, retire under 65. So that's the path I was on. And that's the path I always thought that I would pursue. But mm-hmm. after I graduated college and actually started to do that, I wasn't super happy with my job, I liked it okay. And I was paid very, very well, but it wasn't scratching all the itches. It wasn't allowing me to impact. It wasn't given that competitive, you know, fire of, you know, survival on your own and pushing me as much as I wanted. So a couple of years after I graduated college, started investing in real estate on the side with a buddy. Uh, About three years after that, we went full-time. So 2018 went full-time into real estate. Um, and then kind of since then has really exploded. I kind of like to say I went from, you know, real estate being a side hustle to my full-time gig to financial freedom. So now, you know, financially free through that real estate. Um, and obviously we can kind of fill in the gaps and cover the pieces, but mm-hmm. flash forward to now sitting at a $40 million rental portfolio that I've been able to buy without using any of my own money, which usually grabs people's attention, spent zero of my own dollars to get that $40 million rental portfolio. I also own a house flipping company here in St. Louis that's going to flip about 300 houses. 
uh, mostly wholesale, but some um, fix and flips, you know, maybe 60, 70 fix and flips in there as well. Um, and then have this education and this uh, social media stuff. So I'm all in on real estate, man. That That's all I do um, all day, every single day. I've developed a couple of different verticals for it, but it's all, all about real estate. Yeah, 100%. That, that's exciting to hear. You guys have obviously built uh, quite a successful model there. So let's dig into the model a little bit more. I want to understand. So you've, um, you know, you've come through in a lot of different asset classes. Talk about kind of the beginning of that portfolio, you know, that building up to that 40 million. What did that look like? Where did we start? How did that evolve throughout the process? Yeah, so just started out with with one single family rental. Actually, when I got started, it was about the 2015 time frame. I didn't even know about the Burrs method or the refinance. I thought you had to put 20% down on every rental. So, you know, uh, me and my buddy Lucas went and looked at you know, 30, 40 houses uh, with his mother-in-law that was a real estate agent trying to find a deal. And we finally pulled the trigger and the plan was to buy it and uh, fix it up and then sell it and then take the profit and put that down on a single family rental. That's kind of how I thought you had to do it was mm -hmm. you had to use 20% down cash was the only way to, to buy a rental property. You know, I knew you could borrow money to buy and fix up. I remember watching like flip or flop or some of those shows on HGTV where, you know, they borrow money from somebody and buy a house and fix it up and split the profit with them. So yeah. I knew I didn't have to use my money to buy and fix it up, but I thought I did for the rental. So um, during that process and the rehab, we discovered the refinance of the bird and ended up uh, keeping that one as in a rental property. So started out with that one that we still own today as a single family rental and then kind of sprinkled in a few single families, a small multifamily. Um, and then 2018, quit my job. Uh, and ever since then, things have really exploded. I would say 90% of my portfolios come since 2018, the first few years, you know, as it being a side hustle, so you don't have as much time and energy to dedicate to grow it. Um, and I probably wasn't quite as sold on it as I am now. So yeah, mm -hmm. uh, majority of it's come over the past few years, but it's kind of been a, a slow journey to a, a big jump off. So talk about that, that moment. So that that's a critical moment for everybody. And that's scary. You're, you're making good money. You got a nine to five job, you've got security, or at least you've got the illusion of security, you know, in that corporate role. And you've got to make this leap off that cliff, right? So, so I think there's a lot of people out there that get stuck right there, right? That's a scary venture. Talk to people a little bit about the mindset going, maybe talk about the mindset going into it. Talk about a little bit too about the prep. How did you prepare to make that leap? So, so what are the things you had to get over in your own head? And then, and then how did you prepare to do that? Yeah. So it's kind of like you said that there's, it's that mental leap, that fear, you got to be in the right mindset. So there's kind of looking back at it, you know, looking back at it, I'll can tell you that I just was excited. Um, my business partner who owns all this stuff with me, me and him own a 50, 50. Um, he had made the leap a couple months earlier and I just didn't want to, you know, have him carrying the extra load by going full time or I didn't want to, you know, get left behind as far as him doing all the work and, you know, him growing this cool thing and me not being a part of it. So that was more of, you know, what was on my the surface level of, you know, my mind at the time. But looking back, I've kind of there's three kind of things that I used not knowing that I overcame the fear with and that I tell people the one is, you know, knowledge. Mm -hmm. If you get a base level of knowledge on something, it's less scary. So I had a base level of knowledge on real estate. I had some systems and processes created. We had some, 
you know, reserves and some pipeline of deals coming in. So, you know, it wasn't like, I'm not like one of those guys that's going to tell you to jump all in, you know, whether, you know, there's water in the pool or not. Yeah. So we had a plan. So some knowledge, um, we had some experience. Experience always helps. That's the second thing, you know, you're not going to be fully experienced in being a full-time real estate business owner, but I had some experience doing it on the side. And then the third thing that's probably was the biggest factor of me going all in and getting over the fear is just, you know, blind stupidity, you know, it just, just doing it and being like, all right, we're going to figure it out. I'm just going all in. I'm making 250 grand a year in St. Louis, you know, at a good job that's stable um, yeah. and just stupid enough to take a chance. So those are kind of the, <laughs> the, the three, the three categories that got me into to making that leap. Man, isn't it so funny? Like, I'm sure if you're looking back, I'm sure you, you may not have, I, I just, and I don't know if this is you, but this is a common sentiment. Like most people looking back, wouldn't have done what they did back then take that leap or do it in the way they did, or maybe take an investment that they did knowing what they know now years later, right? Like they've, they've learned too much. They've seen too much. They've, they've maybe been burned, but it's that, it's that ignorance at the beginning that allows you to take that maybe riskier move than you would do now. Right. But it allows you to get, to get it and take that leap. I mean, is that, does that, do you relate to that at all? Yeah, for sure. I mean, because there was a lot of unknowns on the other side of it, you know, looking back, it's like, well, duh, the things you've been able to accomplish and the power of real estate and, you know, focusing 60 hours a week on it, you know, instead of 10 hours a week or five hours mm -hmm. a week. So look back, looking back, but that's not how I looked at it. Like you said, it was just kind of that blind ignorance of, you know, let, let's make that leap and let's get, let's get the ball rolling. And if it doesn't work out, then I guess I'll try to go find another job, probably paying a little bit less, but uh, you know, that would have, we would have made it work. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting dynamic right now uh, in the in the U.S. because you think about trying to get over that cliff. What's the downside? Right. We're in we have a, a labor market where there's 11 million available jobs and like four million available workers. Right. So there's, there's a job for everybody that wants one right now. I mean, you could almost and I was just thinking about this. You're talking, make an argument like this is a great time to go out and try that venture that you, that you wanted to go after real estate or whatever, because yeah, what's, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, you got to go back and you got to get another W2 job, right? Well, we're in a market right now where there there's two and a half jobs for everybody that wants one. I mean, you could make the argument like now's a great time to go out and try that venture. Yeah, no, I agree. It's one of those things where, yeah, you, you know, figure it out, you know, if you're going to look at the worst case scenario that, you know, you can go find another job. That's pretty good. But you owe it to yourself. Look at the best case scenario too. If you're like super, yeah. you know, super like positive, you got to look at the worst case side. But if you're a pessimist, you got to look at the positive, you know, the best case scenario as well. You got to look at all angles. And yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I'm just uh, coming, coming to that uh, realization as we're sitting here talking. One thing I want to hit on, you mentioned a partnership and, and, you know, it seems like that partnership, I would assume is, is something, I mean, it got you off. That was a big part of getting you over the fence. I mean, it almost sounds like there's a little FOMO there. I'm not wanting, to, not wanting him to run with it. You want it, you wanted to be right there with them. Talk about how that partnership has allowed you to, to grow the business. Maybe, you know, how, how have you guys defined your roles and just talk about what that has allowed you to do versus maybe think about going on your own. Yeah. So, I mean, having, having him as a partner has been, you know, huge. We've been really good friends, which is something that a lot of people shy away from. We've been really good friends since middle school. So, you know, been friends a long time. 
but we knew each other really well. We had the same, you know, core values, the same work ethic, the same long-term goals, the same, you know, determination that really has helped us because, you know, when I've been down or, you know, discouraged about something, he's usually been up and like, all right, we got this. Let's keep going. If he's ever discouraged, I'm usually, you know, upbeat about it and positive. And most of the time we're both upbeat and positive. So that's when things really, really ramp up. Mm-hmm. So it's just allowed us to, you know, stay motivated and stay focused and stay on the grind. And it's also been a huge huge thing that has allowed us recently to kind of divide and conquer. Like we used to do everything together, look at the houses together, look at the rentals together, you know, look at the flips to get all that kind of stuff. And a couple of years ago, we kind of just divided. You take the flipping, you know, I'll take the education, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. And then, you know, we'll do the rentals together kind of because we own everything together. And that's really allowed us to, you know, go, go into our own. Like I haven't even been inside our last 40 rental houses probably hadn't even seen them couldn't tell you the address i remember i could tell you the first hundred address like that um so just you know trusting him and who he's brought in on his side trust and he's trusting me who i brought on my side has allowed us to really grow because i get asked you know why didn't you just do it on your own you could own it all yourself well if i did that it would be a fraction of the size it's not even one plus one equals two with lucas and i it's one plus one equals a hundred so you know just the fact that we're doing it together and growing and trust each other, we're able to accomplish 10, hundred X what we would had we tried it on our own. So I'll take 50% of a huge number rather than hundred percent of a small number, I guess, put it that way. Yeah. I think that's a great way to think about it. I mean, I think that's an abundance mentality. I think it's understanding the bigger picture, right? Seeing the forest through the trees and knowing that, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that comes with having a bigger pie, right? Not just the returns, because maybe you're splitting those 50-50, right? You could have the same amount of return on half the size of portfolio. But with real estate, with, with scale comes a lot of safety, security, right? The ability to have, there's a lot of economies that come with that scale, right? And so I think there, there's a ton of value there. So I think that's that's big picture thinking. And that, like you said, that partnership, and we see it time and time again in real estate, is the way to get, I love one plus one, not, not even equals three, it equals 100. And so you, you guys have been able to really maximize that to grow. So, so it sounds like your partner is more, is he more like the COO type role kind of integrator in the business, running the business and you're more external facing uh, on the, on the education side. Is that, and then rentals, you said you do together, but as I try to understand the roles a little bit more. Yeah, so for sure. So he's definitely got a little more of that integrated, that operations um, finance side to him. I'm a little bit more of the sales negotiating the marketing side of it. Mm -hmm. But when we kind of divided and conquered, you know, he for the flipping company, you know, we have commercials here in St. Louis. He's the one doing the commercials for, you know, that's his company. He is the visionary of that company. He is the leader. Everything rolls up to him. I have I going to start to, but I haven't even attended a meeting um, for uh, Fast Routes, which is that company. And yeah. for the education side, I do I do all of it as well. His strengths are probably a little more of the operations, but he has the visionary in him as well, the CEO. So yeah, it's kind of one of those things where um, we're both, when we were together, it kind of was more of me, the marketing side, him more of the operation side. But since we split up, we just got our own yin to our yang and our each of our companies. And you know, together, we're, we're growing them together, but separate. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. There's all different ways to put it together. You know, that's, yep. that's what I like to understand. There, there's, there's no right way. So you're really focused on, on education, right? We've talked about that. You know, I know you've got a sizable social following you've developed or a lot of good content you're putting out. Talk a little bit about the importance of that education to your business and why that's such a focal point for you. 
Yeah, because it's it was it's been a challenge to put it lightly. As far as growing a social media presence, there's just a lot out there. There's a ton of people out there that are growing huge followings. So to differentiate yourself and to get any traction can be pretty tough. And fortunately, I had the rentals and the flipping income to you know support my family and have my active income while I was growing this following because it takes a long time to do that, or at least to do it the right way. I'm not mm -hmm. doing a crypto segment and a e-com segment and, you know, a real estate segment. And, you know, I'm not trying to metaverse segment. I'm not doing that. You know, I have crypto, I have e-commerce stores, but I'm not uh, teaching on that. I'm not an expert. So I've grown my audience strictly through the real estate funnel and lens and it's grown you know at a pretty good pace but it hasn't you know been like whoever wants to follow me follow me i've been pretty strategic about it so it's taken you know not super long about a couple of years a little over two years i started in you know mid to late 2020 i uh, started kind of doing the social media thing growing a following and a presence and you know figuring it out from there i just want to get a ton of eyeballs on me and then i'll figure out what to do with it after the fact just lead with you know, information lead with value and then the rest will follow. And, and like you said, it's, it's done pretty well recently. I'm looking at a little over uh, 2 million followers on all the social medias between TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. And it's just been really eye-opening to the people that you can impact just through videos and online. And then, you know, I have a have a mentorship that, you know, some people want, but 99.9% .9 of them just want to get the free stuff and learn and be educated and entertained. Mm -hmm. And then a, a small percentage want a little more hand-holding, but it's, uh, it's been really fun. And it's been, you know, challenging and, uh, you know, grinding, but it's, it's, you know, having a social media presence and trying to grow it is, it's pretty much a full-time job. Yeah, absolutely. And why did you set out to, to say you wanted to have this big social media? I mean, was the goal to get to, it was the goal for 2 million followers I mean, what was the goal and, and why did you make that such a focus? Uh, yeah, I, I, the goal was just to get into the education space. Like yeah, I said, divide and conquer Lucas and he, the couple people he's hired can do the flipping. And, you know, this is a good thing to do. I kind of saw the power of social media over the, you know, few years leading up to 2020 and saw that everyone was going to be sitting around, you know, not doing a ton, you know, because of the COVID and everything for a little while. And I just saw it as kind of an opportunity to expand the brand and see where it went. I remember posting in 2019, a couple of times on Facebook, you know, we had at the time, I don't know, 10 million in real estate or something like that. And just talking about it and then just getting flooded with DMs and messages and comments that people thought it was really cool and they wanted to learn how. And then I was like, well, let's try to broaden this. Facebook, you know, at the time without the groups is definitely more of a local thing, right? You're friends with all your mm -hmm. friends from high school and college. So it's just your little sphere. It's not like super outreaching. So then I decided to do more of the outreaching stuff, which was YouTube and Instagram. And those are super slow to start. So I, I threw in TikTok just to try it. And that's what really has taken off and has kind of bled into the other platforms to help them grow. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just the idea was growing the audience, get a bunch of eyeballs on you. And eventually you're figure out a way to add value and monetize. But the, at the time it was just adding value. We didn't, we were pretty much a, a break-even company for the first 18, 18-ish uh, 18 months for education until we kind of got things figured out, the right audience, the right mentorship. And the past six, seven months has been pretty powerful that people have been able to impact, you know, for free for social media and then as well as some of the paid stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's really just lead with education, kind of figure out, you know, where, where that's going to bring value back, right? Yep, that's what I did. So now that you've got this big following, right? I mean, I, I think so many people just think about social media as this is maybe this is something that you should do 
or, or something that you, that you have to do. And, and, and we just need to grow followers, right? There's just, but, but I don't know that a lot of people really think about why, why, why grow the followers. And so, and, it, and are those even the right places to be finding your tar- target audience? Right. And so what has, now that you've got this large platform, now that you've got all these eyeballs on you, I mean, how has that impacted your business? Uh, it's impacted the education business, you know, pretty substantially. You know, we have, a, like I said, we have uh, the mentorship products. Just have one product and mentorship that we sell quite a few of, you know, from just the funnel, right? Give a ton of people watch your videos and then a portion of them want more. And then those, you know, if you have a big enough audience, that mm-hmm. 1% that want more can get pretty substantial, right? So the bigger the top of the funnel, the bigger the bottom of the bottom of the funnel will be. So it's impacted that. You know, we've gotten a few deals from it. I've got sent a ton of deals from it online. I'm just not at the point where I want to expand into other markets. You know, everything we own here in St. Louis, got a few mm-hmm. deals in St. Louis from it, but that's not really the goal. But eventually that will be the goal. Eventually the goal probably is to do some type of syndication so that I can use the following to raise money the right way, you know, through accredited investment. And to get deals, post do a post about getting uh, deals. I mean, my biggest TikTok video is like has over well over seven million views. It's got like three and a half years of run of watch time consistently, and it's less than a year old. And it's like a twenty second video. So just the power of having those platforms to lean in on when the time comes. And I'm not like trying to pick everybody's money and do all that stuff. Now I'm just providing knowledge, and then hey, you want the mentorship? So um, it's really helped now, but I think it's going to help as I want to grow and expand and, you know, like do the syndication and do the, get the deals. And we want to uh, bring an NBA team to St. Louis, you know, that'll probably be in 10 or 15 years. If we can do that, I doubt we can, but that's a big goal of ours at that point, social media, hopefully will be 20, 30 million. Who's to say I can't, you know, raise money to buy the team. Who's, who's to say like the green Bay Packers, that's a, um, you know, you own part of green Bay Packers, but it's not an investment. Who's to say I can't sell, 0.005% of an NBA team for 250 grand and raise, you know, a few million, you raise 50 million as well as my own money to be a majority owner of a team we bring to St. Louis. And that would cause a stir. It would cause, you know, if you're, you're in Indianapolis yeah. and you own or your buddy owns a very small percentage of the team, guess what? You and your friends are going to be fans of that team. So it's just, the, you know, just things like that. The possibilities are endless when you have an audience that you legitimately provide value to. Um, the possibilities are endless as far as where I can take it. And, you know, that's that's what we're looking at. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that, and I love how big you're thinking. I mean, that's awesome. You got these big audacious goals, right? And, uh, and yeah, and from... You know, if you're, especially if you're going to, and I, I know a big part of your business is related to, you know, being able to use other people's money or being able to rely on, on other capital sources for surreal. And I'm sure that, you know, that has a lot of, a lot to do with your social presence as well. Um, I think that I always tell people, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to syndicate or if you're going to, if you're going to raise money from other people and get people to trust you to come into your deals. You have to have some sort of thought leadership platform. You know, my chosen platform is podcast, you know, yours, social media. I think, you know, I, th- I think you also mentioned you got a podcast starting, right. Or just started, mm-hmm. but so that's great. You're developing multiple channels, but this social media allows you to be out there, show your expertise. But I think that's critical. So for, so for somebody out there that wants to think about, they want to syndicate in the future. They want to use other people's money. They, they want to figure out how to engage with investors or, you know, whether it's equity or debt, 
They want to build a platform. They think social media is the right one for them. What are a few tips you can share? I'm sure there's a lot of lessons learned building your mountain of followers. Yeah, I would say kind of think a little bit of your end game. You don't have to have, because I didn't have mine and still don't have mine figured out, but just what are you wanting to do? If you're wanting deals and you're wanting to like grow a local following to get deals and to just be an authority in your local space, you know, I think Facebook is a great platform for that, you know, as well as Instagram and TikTok too, of course, because it can get you the most views quickly. But if your goal is to do a national, you know, bigger picture thing, then I think TikTok for sure, like you got to do TikTok and Instagram and Facebook's, you know, it's, they're trying to make it a little bit broader with the pages and the groups and everything, but it's still a majority of, you know, it's the oldest social media or one of the older ones. It's got a little bit more of the older following. So depending what you're wanting to do, if you're wanting a local brand, then I would go really hard on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, um, you know, all of them, but Facebook probably first or near the top. And then if you're wanting to go national, then, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta do um, TikTok and YouTube, and then you can do the other ones as well, Instagram, but you gotta be able to, uh, you have the right social media to re reach the audience. Those, you know, the main social media is there's 20 year olds, there's 15 year olds, there's 80 year olds, like the TikTok at this point, there's so many people that are over the age of, you know, 20, 30 on there, as opposed to what it was a couple of years ago, they're big enough, you're going to reach your right audience if you put out the content. So I think just that first, and then just being consistent. I know people say that, but I, I kind of got laughed at for posting on TikTok. Um, and I said, like, I'm just going to try one post a day for 30 days. And by the like seventh day, I had a video that had 100,000 views when my YouTubes were getting 80 views and my Instagram mm -hmm. were getting, you know, whatever, a hundred views. So it was just eye opening. And then things started to filter because just real quickly, you, you mentioned that the podcast I just want to show that having this following has helped the podcast. You know, it was, we got, I think almost 255 star reviews already. And it's been out for seven days. We have, we were ranked, I think 14th on entrepreneur podcasts, like right behind, like, you know, like Gary V's and Hermosis and, you know, um, Andy Versailles, like we were like right below some of them. So, you know, obviously you have to continue that up with the podcast, but my podcast wouldn't have at all that reach had yeah. I just launched it. So having the social media and an audience to point them in a direction, this direction right now, just as the podcast, that's been huge. So having that audience, I didn't know that I was going to launch a podcast, but having that audience has been ginormous um, for me launching the podcast and having some at least immediate success. I know I have to follow up with that, but it's been a, a good launch. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. You start to understand how all these things fold and build on each other, right? Mm -hmm. And it all just yep. continues to build momentum. So uh, what about con content creation? I mean, what, what type of content creation? You mentioned one video has 7 million views. Right. What content are you putting out? It's been the most successful. Yeah. So the TikTok views, the TikTok is the TikTok. TikTok gets the most views out of all of them for sure. Um, I have uh, almost 1.8 on TikTok at this point. And, you know, I have, I think like 25 or, or 30 videos that have over a million views. So that's like a lot. And then you have some that do less. It's, you know, mm -hmm. it just depends on the algorithm and how cranky it is that day. But yeah, TikTok's going to be like your biggest immediate success but in five minutes if somebody's on their phone on social media in five minutes they're gonna see a hundred different people on tiktok maybe 150 on youtube they're probably just gonna see one maybe two people on mm -hmm. instagram maybe 10 and on a podcast for sure they're just gonna see one so you got to think of it that way great it's cool to have all those views but they're not super valuable views they're a 10 sure. second view a 40 second view and people are scrolling and they're done with you and they just you're getting fed that, but on your podcast, 
um, on YouTube, people are searching you out for the most part. So those are way more valuable long-term connected views where I'm connecting yeah. with the audience at a much deeper level, which is what you want. So, you know, they're the different platforms and they all kind of feed each other. TikTok's kind of that opening with a bang. Instagram's great because I can reuse the TikToks and I can message people and interact, give them my free training. And that's, I love Instagram for that. Instagram's probably the one I want to grow the most, honestly. And then YouTube's great because you warm people up visually. You can have the shorts and you can have the long form stuff. And then podcasts, I'm just getting into that space. But as you probably know, you can really develop probably a slower audience, but as it grows, a super, super engaged and loyal, you know, and trusting audience, you know, with your podcast mm -hmm. and how you can let people in and peel behind the curtains of certain deals and things that I just can't do on TikTok. I screw up all the time by trying to give too much information on TikTok. And they're like, just give me one piece of information so I can scroll on and throw some nice music to it. Well, on a right. podcast and YouTube, you can, you know, peel things back and provide a lot more context and, you know, a lot more layers to things that can help, you know, hope, you know, show that your value and, you know, have them follow you and be a little more engaged. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that is fantastic advice where you laid out the platforms and it sounds like pick the right platform for your purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Focus on that platform. And then from there repurpose into others, right? For it sure. sound, sounds like that's what I'm picking up from what you're saying. So yeah, I appreciate that, that information. I think for everybody that's you know, thinking about being a real estate investor and thinking about not doing it all on your own, which I think is the right approach to not do it all on your own. If you really want to, to scale, do it to something that's going to be meaningful. I think, again, having that thought leadership platform is critical. So if social is what you're comfortable with, it's your platform of choice. I think the, the tips that Sam are giving are invaluable. And even as it relates, like you said, YouTube, you said podcasts. I mean, those are all different platforms even outside of social that you can focus on. I mean, pick the one that works and then repurpose across the others, I think is definitely the, the most powerful way to go about that. So you build up this great following, right? And then, you know, you mentioned you haven't spent any, you haven't used any of your own money. You mean for those people's money in these deals. I mean, I, I'm assuming having that large following helps dovetail in into some of that, but, but let's switch gears. I want to hear a little bit about how are you structuring your deals and, and how are you leveraging other people's money? Is it debt? Is it equity? And, and yeah, what do those deal structures look like? Yeah. And it's, it's been a little bit of a mixture. We're kind of figuring things out as we go. There's no real playbook to um, exactly how we do things. So kind of what we've done for all of our single family rentals has just been the burrs method, you know, buying with a private lender or a hard money lender, rehabbing with their funds and then renting and refinancing and getting their money back. So we've just been able to do that at a pretty steady clip. The house buying company, you know, going to buy 300 this year. I think we did 260 last year. So that's a great lead in to be like, oh, Lucas will see the houses coming in. We have buyers and everything like, oh, that'd be a great rental. That So we can kind of pick off that. We have the systems to rehab in place. So it's kind of like, why wouldn't you continue to add single families that way? We have the funding, we have the rehabbing, we have the bank relationships. It's like just plug and play. And it's there's a system created that kind of takes a distressed house and spits out a rented house and we don't have to do anything. It took us a while to get to that point, but that's, that's what we do for those single families. And it's, you know, in sure. and out handful of private lenders we use their money's in and out quickly, um, get a decent return and they're done. Uh, with the multifamilies, we've done the debt, we've done the equity. We have, I have six multifamily properties, uh, a nine, 12, 19, 
27, 29, 32 unit. So, you know, smaller, medium to small size, and they haven't been ginormous. So we've been able to use a, a private lender, some we've used and some we've met for uh, the down payment, let's say. And then, you know, over two or three years, we increase the, you know, net income by raising rents and increasing efficiencies, and there's enough equity to buy them back out. So it's kind of like a bird deal. If you understand that method, they're just long-term and we've done, we've partnered with them. We've just given them preferred interest. So it kind of depends on the deal, what the cash flow looks like. So we've been, we've been flexible with that. And we've also done that with packages of houses. Like we bought 42 houses in one neighborhood a couple months ago. We treated that like a multifamily deal, you know, that long one to three year investment for a private lender. So we just really developed great relationships with lenders. They've told their friends, got us more lenders. And then, you know, we developed bank relationships with throughout our, all of our businesses, we developed relationships with several nice, you know, small local banks that are willing to, to invest interestingly and creatively. I gotcha. So you're bringing in, you're either bringing in private, a private lender or hard money on the front end, or if it's a more stabilized, maybe multifamily, you're using sounds like community banks mainly for the debt. And are you ever bringing? Are you bringing in private money in as a second to the bank? Uh, yeah. So it kind of depends on like if they're uh, part of the, you know, if they're like you said, if they're on the debt or equity side, or if they're part of the, um, if they're part of the LLC. You know, we give them. We've done a couple of them where they've, you know, gotten ownership in the LLC as part of their money they're giving us and then they sure. get their money back plus interest. And, you know, at that point we'll refinance them out. So we, we've done it a, a few different ways. We we've done a, a couple of uh, Freddie Mac deals as well, kind of away from that small local banks and non-recourse longer term stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we brought the, we bring the private lenders in and uh, just a simple example, you know, we're buying a million dollar apartment complex. We'll bring in a private lender or two that will give us the $200,000 needed for the down payment, you know, 200 grand from the private lender, 80, 800 grand from the bank. And then, you know, within two or three years, we're able to increase the value enough that it's worth 1.3, 1.4 million. We'll do an 80% cash out refinance. And then we'll, you know, take it to the same bank or a different bank. And that equity that's created will pay off that 200 grand plus interest. And now we own it. So it's usually been a, you know, 18 to 36 month venture, the house mm -hmm. or the property we've been buying. So it's just kind of a, a quick little in and out. And then they got their money back and guess what? They're ready to do another deal with us. So um, that's how we've been structuring it. Get them their money as quickly as possible. Um, the houses will take a month or a month to two or three months. The apartment's usually one to three years. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I appreciate you running through that. I mean, for the folks listening, like there, there's a lot of different strategies, right? There's a lot of approaches. There's, there's not just one way to get about it go about it. You got to be creative, but if you make the right relationships, you know, whether it's private lenders, whether it's folks that want to have equity and you bring good deals, I mean, there's a way to do this without a lot of your cash to start up. Right. And I, I love that mm. aspect of real estate is a low barrier to entry. It, it's scalable in that way. Um, as long as you can just think outside of the box and be creative and create good relationships. So Awesome, Sam. Thank you so much for sharing so much info today. Now I want to take you through our keys to success round. It's four questions I want to ask you. The first one is, if you were going to invest in someone else's deal and you could only ask them one question, what would that one question be? One question would probably be more focused on how they plan to manage um, the investment after the fact. Because with real estate, there's so much that you can do, you know, a house that I buy today in 15 years is going to probably at least double in value and the note's going to get paid down. And so there's just a huge spread 
So as long as you're managing that properly, I'm not super worried about, you know, any little detail, you know, every single family house I buy, I say I'm going to make 200 grand on over the next 10 years with, you know, growth, equity, pay down and cash flow. So there's a lot of room in there, something like that. So I would just be more concerned about how they manage to, you know, or how they're planning to manage the property after the fact, not, I would be as concerned about, you know, every little detail of the purchase and the price and, you know, what it's going to, what it's worth now and how much it's going to cash flow there. If they're going to manage it properly after the fact, they can screw up a lot and still make a good investment. Gotcha. Yeah. Great question. What are you most proud of in your career? Um, probably just the fact that we've been able to impact so many people, uh, that we care about here locally. You know, we have outside those, outside my office door, we have, we have uh, about 35 employees and I'd say 10 or 12 of them are our good friends. We've brought people along with us on this journey. People I've known for 20 years, 30 years, friends from college, from high school. Uh, we've just grown these companies and there's been opportunities for roles. And we've leaned on some of our friends for them because we know it's a good cultural fit. We set the right expectation. We set them up to succeed. And, you know, if it doesn't quite work out, we'll find a role or what, you know, we'll find something that works out. So it's just been really fun to bring along our friends and family with us and help them create multi-million dollar rental portfolios as well as you know make a good living that's awesome i love i love that because you're creating so much value even beyond your own your own net worth right you're creating value throughout the community for like you said 35 people creating new jobs i mean that's the beauty beauty of entrepreneurship and starting your own business right is how much value you can bring into the community so yeah definitely something to be proud of what's a book that everybody should read a book i mean i hate to be too freaking um stereotypical, but the kind of the books I would suggest everybody reading, whether they want to invest real estate or not, would be Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Think and Grow Rich. I know that's more than one, but thinking either one, they're just more of a mindset and, uh, you know, foundational level of understanding and foundational level of mindset that, you know, all the tactical things, there's all these books that can tell you a million different ways to make money. But I think just having that base level of mindset is, is huge. And then I got a book coming out in a couple of months. I don't even know what it's going to be called, but my book, whenever it comes out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, those are two great foundational books. I think no matter what you're doing, start there, read those, move on from there. Yeah, so great, great calls. Last but not least, what is your number one key to success? I would say the number one thing, and it's probably been a little bit more recently that I've actually truly embraced it, is having a, a mindset of abundance. I'm super competitive. I want to win, but the fact that I don't and don't want to you know, step on somebody's back or cut their throat or stab them in the back of everyone, look at it to win. Like I can win and you can win too. There's enough out there for both of us. I'm going to provide value and then we'll figure out, you know, I'm going to provide information value. We'll figure out monetarily what that looks like later. Just leading with as much value as you can and truly embracing the fact that there's enough out there for everybody and having that abundance mindset. I talked about it for a couple of years, but about the last 12, 18 months, I feel like I've truly embraced it. And guess what? The last 12, 18 months I've made, you know, we bought over $20 million of real estate and I've, you know, made more money than I ever thought I would as soon as I stopped worrying about making money. As soon as I worried yeah. about helping people and having a mindset of abundance, the deals came in, the money came in like at a 10x rate than I ever thought it would in my entire life. So mm -hmm. just leading with that and truly embracing that mindset of abundance will lead to more money, but you just have to truly embrace it. You can't just say it. And that's been very apparent in the past, you know, couple of years for me. Yeah, I love that. That, that abundance mindset is everything. I and mean, that's what allows you to just move forward 
even when there's uncertainty, right? Just that the confidence that the more you put out, the more it's going to come back to you. And so, yeah, love that. It's critical to success. Absolutely. So Sam, uh, you've brought a ton of good content today. Um, obviously, you know, there, there's value in, in following you and understanding what you're doing. So if people want to follow you, they want to reach out. How can they get hold of you? Yeah, just follow me on whatever, you know, don't want to, you know, whatever social media is your favorite. I'm on all of them, just at Sam Faster Freedom. Um, so my name's Sam and then Faster Freedom is the brand. So just just follow me on any social media that's your favorite at Sam Faster Freedom. Uh, message me on Instagram. Be glad to to answer any of your questions. And like you said, did just launch that podcast, Ordinary Guys, Extraordinary Well. So check that out after you watch yours, then watch mine or listen to mine. So perfect. Perfect. Yeah, get them both on the playlist. Awesome. Sam, thank you so much for bringing so much value. And I hope you have a great rest of the day. Awesome. You too, man. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.